This is Stereoactive Presents. I'm your host, Jeremiah McVeigh, and in this episode, I'm talking with Mr. Scotty Walker about his career in music and education. Mr. Walker was my high school band director, and during his three decades at Lafayette High School in Lafayette, Louisiana, he built a music program that grew to be recognized across the state, the region, and the nation. Not only did the band perform on important stages and fields in Louisiana, but it traveled several times to New York City to play at Carnegie Hall and the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade, among many other places. And just recently, toward the end of what was his final school year as director, the band traveled to Hawaii to perform at Pearl Harbor. I had the extreme pleasure of speaking with Mr. Walker about his career just as he was poised for retirement. So yes, this is someone who is important to me personally and someone who is important to many people. But even if you may not know him, I think there's a lot of what he has to say, especially about education and working with kids, that is certainly of broad interest to anyone who cares about those things. And really, we should all care about those things, I think. So I hope you'll enjoy this in-depth discussion with Mr. Scotty Walker. Scotty Walker has been a teacher for more than 30 years and has led the Lafayette High School band program in Lafayette, Louisiana for most of that time. As a result, he's come into contact with hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of students. But this past school year was his last at Lafayette High. On Saturday, June 3rd, there will be a retirement banquet to celebrate his time as an educator and the impact he's had on so many people and through them, not only the community of Lafayette, but really any community his students have moved to, joined, or built up around themselves as they've gone out into the world. That banquet will be at the Atchafalaya Ballroom at the Student Union on the University of Louisiana campus in Lafayette. I'm very pleased to welcome someone I've known for nearly 30 years, Scotty Walker. Mr. Scotty Walker, I should say. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you, Jeremiah. It's a, it's a pleasure for me to be here, man. And thank you for that introduction. You know, I, I was talking to someone the other day and, you know, the retirement year is always one of reflection, certainly. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been really amazed at um, the people who have come through this program. And that's one of the things that I, that I tell people now is that I actually know people. So you're one of those people that to do this, uh, this kind of a podcast. And, you know, there's so many people out in the community that are doing so many, uh, so many beneficial things. It's really, it's really amazing. Well, thank you for that. I do want to start with your background, you know, because a lot of people know you, but I don't know if everybody knows how you got to be you. So can you tell me how you ended up first off playing music. You know, first of all, my my family, uh, it, it, they're all Cajun French musicians. So I grew up in the in the typical Cajun family to where every weekend we would go to someone's house. Everyone would bring some type of musical instrument, and there would be a barbecue or any kind of food that would be prepared, and and people would start drinking beer and start getting their instruments out and start playing Cajun music. Um, and then, you know, it, 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 it would usually end up with brothers fighting and everyone would go home. And then the next weekend we'd be back together. And so it, it was just, uh, we, we always had a very musical family. I had very talented, uh, cousins and my, my dad, I mean, my goodness, he, he played everything. He played the, the, the fiddle, the violin, he mm -hmm. played guitar, he played steel guitar, he played, 
the uh, the accordion. So he played just about everything. So when I was growing up and it was time for me to make the decision about being in band, um, I went to my dad and I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to join band. So he said, okay, told my mom, go to the music store and get him a saxophone mm. because that that's a typical Cajun instrument that you can, you can play in a Cajun band. He wanted me to play in the Cajun band. So um, I, 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 I don't want to play saxophone. I want to play trumpet. And he said, well, too bad. You either play saxophone or you're not playing anything. So we had a, a huge argument. I, I went down the street and I was crying I, because I wanted to play trumpet because of Chuck Mangione. I don't know if you've ever heard that guy. He played flugelhorn, but he was very popular at the time. And he was playing on, on, on radio stations. So that's why I wanted to play trumpet. So, um, so yeah, I, he, he gave in and, and, and got me a trumpet. And then, you know, that that started a, a series of a lot of arguments because he gave me one music lesson in my lifetime. So um, when I got my trumpet, of course, I just got it, just started learning how to play it. And he said, all right, go get your instrument. So I went and got my instrument, brought it in the in the kitchen and he took out his accordion and he started playing and he said, all right, play what I just played. And I said, what note does it start on? So he started fussing at me. He said, you don't need to know what note, just play it. And so he, so yeah. he put it up and he said, put your horn away. And we're not going to, that was it. I never had another, another le- lesson after that, but they were all trained by, by ear. And, you know, I was, of course, I had to have it on, you know, music on a page. And so that was, that was the conflict there. But uh, that's kind of how I started playing music. Um, and yeah, going into high school, I, I was not a very strong um, academic student um, because you know, none of my family really went to college. That wasn't really, really an option for me. The all field was really big and people were making a lot of money back Mm -hmm. then. So that's what my life was destined to be was work in the all field. And, um, and, you know, just before I graduated, that's when the, the all crunch hit back in the eighties and everyone lost their job. Mm -hmm. So I had to reevaluate and see what I wanted to do. Um, and you know, music was always there for me. Um, it was always something that, that I, I could, I could fall back on. Uh, it was a safe place for me. I could go in the band room and always feel like I had family. Um, the people that, that I hung out with at the time was part of the reason why I was not a good student. A lot of them had quit school and went to work. Um, and, and I, I didn't do that because band kept me grounded. It kept me in school. And so that's why I, I, I you know, I feel that it's so important for kids because, uh, you know, band band is a, a, a safe place. It's a mm-hmm. it's a place for kids to to go and 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 try to succeed, to fail, to learn. And um, and they're always accepted uh, no matter who they are, no matter how, uh, you know, how if, if they're at the top of their academic class or if they're academically challenged that, you know, it's it's a place that everyone can feel safe. So when I when I graduated and the all field was not an option for me. I, um, you know, I, I, I was pretty good playing trumpet by then. So I said, I, I said, well, let, let me just give this a shot and see how it goes. And, right. and so, uh, you know, I, I, that, that's how it happened. I went to, to USL at the time and majored in music and never thought that I would be a teacher. That was the last thing from my mind. Cause I thought I'd be a, a player, you know? Right. That actually goes into my next question. Um, but first, I do want to just make the observation. I'm not sure if you would agree with this, that it almost kind of sounds like you playing trumpet and taking the path you did was a rebellious act in a way of doing something that wasn't quite in line with the Cajun tradition in your family and going a little outside of that and then kind of seeing one way your life could go and saying, I'm going to do this instead. 
So I don't know if you agree with that framing, like I said, but it, it occurred to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, you know, it, it it really goes back to the the popular music of the day and that mm-hmm. being that that Chuck Mangione guy playing on the radio. And I just love the sound of it. And, right. and so I, I, I wanted to play trumpet. And of course, Chuck Mangione plays flugelhorn, so it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I, you know... It, I, I don't I don't think it was an act of being rebellious towards my family or anything because I I really cherished being able to um, to to share those weekends of of uh, you know Cajun French music sure. and and uh, you know so so that was always a really big part of my life but uh, but yeah I I just um you know it 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 did become a a, a situation of um wishing that I had gone more that pathway because they were, their ear was so developed. And, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that, uh, that I, I didn't have while I was growing up. So. Gotcha. Well, as I said, you, you were kind of moving us towards my next question of just what made you choose to actually go into education? Well, you know, when, when I was in school, again, it was, I, I was more, um, focused on becoming the best trumpet player that I could. Um, and it, because I wasn't a great student in school, uh, you know, being a teacher was, was not, something that I would think would be a career path for me. So, um, you know, I, I just continued to develop my skills as a trumpet player. And as I was nearing my graduation, I had applied for a few assistantships at a, a few universities and um, had gotten offers. I had um, also auditioned for some military bands and, and actually um, was in the second round for one of the premier bands in Washington. And, you know, everything in life happens and it kind of changes our course. And, um, you know, just before I graduated, my my father had passed away a few years earlier and my mom's health had began to deteriorate. So, um, you know, that was kind of weighing heavily on me about not being able to go away. Um, I needed to take care of my mom because because I am, um, you know, our family is very small and I, I'm the only the only child. Um, so you know, that, that became a a great burden on me, um, or, you know, and, um, you know, there, there was a school that was looking for a band director and they called Lafayette music company and said, you know, of anybody graduating? And they said, yes, Scotty Walker, give him a call. So this guy called me up and I was still wanting to go play. And he said, so, um, you know, we have a position open. Would you be interested in in the position? I said, no, not really. He said, well, why don't you come over and look at the school and, and we'll see what you think. So I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll go and look at this school. So it was in Eunice, which is about 45, 50 minutes away. So I went over there and, um, you know, he took me around, showed me the the school and um, showed me the the band room. And then he started talking about, you know, this is, this would be your band room. And then he goes to the office, this would be your office. So I started thinking of it in terms of, you know, profession and, you know, how um, I could maybe build something um, and, you know, so he took me in the school van and Eunice is a one school town, one public school in town. And so Eunice High was on the side and he would drive around the streets and people would come to the sidewalk and wave. You know, you felt really important whenever you're in the van and it mm-hmm. felt like you were in a parade just by driving down <laughs> the streets. So we went to his office and he said, he said, okay, pulled out the pay scale and, and it wasn't very much, you know, back then. And so he said, this is what you'd be making your first year. And as a college student, you looked at it and said, okay, you know, now we're talking, you know, so I got home, started talking to, to my wife at the time and, and, uh, and, and I said, okay, let, let's try this teaching thing for a little while. And, 
and then I can go to graduate school later and pursue the playing thing later. But let's do this and, and you know, get my mom's health back and all that stuff. And so that that's what I did. I took the job and um, and, and you know, and the way it goes, I've never really looked back. I've never um, right. thought about wanting to go back to school and 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 major in performance or anything. And I still play today. But but, uh, you know, education beca- became the uh, the passion for me uh, right right away. Right. Did you have a teacher that made a difference in your life as a teenager? And was that teacher an influence in your decision to become an educator? I know you kind of laid out how you ended up on that path, but as you were deciding to go into education, did you think back on a teacher and and think like, that's an inspiration for me here? And this question is inspired by Katie Reed, by the way. There's always those people along the way Tim Lotzenheiser, who's been a big inspiration in, in, for my entire career, uh, he's been one of those inspirational speakers uh, that that I, I mean, I would bring kids to uh, to to hear him speak, and every single year I, I would go and bring kids, or we started bringing him here to Lafayette for a while, and you know he 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 always told the same stories about the leadership, but man, you always you went away from what he said with so many valuable things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that he said that that uh, that impressed upon me early on was that you know people don't care what you know as long as they know that you care. Um, so you know when you find those individuals that that you know that they care about you, then that makes all the difference in the world. Um, you know I've, I've always had those teachers that uh, really cared. You know, when I was in high school, we had three different band directors uh, when I, the four years I was in school. So I never had the opportunity to to bond with any of those directors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a middle school director that that really believed in me and challenged me to become better. And that's when I really became better as a as a player. And, um, you know, we're, we're best friends today. It's, uh, you know, Will Green. He's still in, in town. He's uh, he works for Lafayette Music Company and. Uh, you know, throughout my career, he's always been that person that uh, that you know you can call and and ask for advice, and you know, he'll be he'll be straight with you, you know, and and we'll be straight with each other, and you know the the there are the few people that that you 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 really feel like you can do that with, and he's been that person throughout my career. So yeah. And do you remember a good piece of advice you received when you were a young educator, kind of just starting out at Eunice? Or maybe at Lafayette Middle or... You know, um, there, there's always those little nuggets that you always get. Um, you know, and, and I would I would go to as many clinics as I could and listen to some of the great directors. And, you know, Eunice was a great place to start. Um, there were a lot of challenges that, that were going on over there, but I still lived in Lafayette, so the travel was really far. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to get back to Lafayette Parish. This is where I wanted to teach. And I knew that I wanted high school. Um, but you know, it's hard to get a a high school job when you don't have experience. So there was a position that came open in, uh, Lafayette middle at the time I interviewed for the position and the, the principal offered the job to me. And I said, I said, thanks, but you know, I I really don't want to teach middle school. I want to teach high school. So I don't think I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take it. And he said, he said, okay, well, if you change your mind, let me know. And then, um, you know, after a few days of, of thinking about it, um, you know, I decided that I would reconsider and I gave him a call and said, I said, Hey, is it the job still open? He said, yeah, absolutely. You want it? He said, this may be the way to get your foot in the door for Lafayette parish. Cause it was a great parish to teach in. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
so I took the job and did that for a, for a little while. Applied for different high schools, didn't get those jobs. Um, and then Lafayette High came open. Um, and there was a lot of people that went to bat for me to try to get the job because there was a lot of people that were trying for the job because, you know, it was Lafayette High. But at the time, you know, there were four band directors that had gone through here in five years. So there was some, right. some turmoil, some problems that were happening at the time. So, you know, right about that time, I went to a clinic with with someone from Atlanta who had built one of the most successful programs in the, in the nation. It's the Lasseter High School program. Um, just, just an unbelievable band program. So I went to a clinic where, where he was speaking and he said, you know, when, when, when he finally figured it out, you know, his greatest advice is find your place and build a kingdom. So when he told me that it it just kind of stuck with me and everything was in place for Lafayette Parish, for Lafayette High School, just a tremendous support system, great teaching faculty. The administration was, was fantastic very supportive at the time. The middle schools uh, had established middle school directors there that were teaching the kids the greatest fundamentals that they could have when they would get to the high school. So everything was in place to to build a kingdom kind of thing. And, and I saw that potential. And um, when, when, I, when I saw that and, and, and I got the job and, you know, at first, because of the enormity of the program and the, the traditions, the past traditions, and you know, it's the it's the first high school in, in Lafayette Parish, so um, it had been around for a long time. So there were there were lots of traditions, lots of great directors that were here. So when I first got the job, I was I was like, oh crap, now what? You know, and it was one of those moments where you know, after I I, I finally started thinking about everything, I was really excited about the potential that 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 there could be here, and. Um, you know, it, it's just built on, you know, all of the people who, who it, it takes a village in everything that you do. So I've tried to surround myself with the best possible people to be able to, uh, to, to for, for us to be able to um, experience the success for students. And another great quote, I love this quote. This is one of the quotes that, um, that I've cherished my entire career. I was, um, when I first started judging uh, concert festivals, I sat down with, with, an, with an old guy at the time. He was retired at the time. And you know, we, you know, we're in a hotel. So in the morning we'd wake up early enough and I'd ask him to go sit down and have breakfast with him. And I'd just ask him to talk. And I'd, I'd listen to all of the things that, that he would have to say. And there was one thing he said one morning that, that I, it was just so profound for me. And I was just like, wait a minute, say that again. And then I, I, he had to say it a few times for me to, for it to sink in. And I was like, I got to write this down. So I took my, 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 my receipt and I wrote it on the back of the receipt. And then I folded it up and put it in my wallet and kept it my whole career. Oh, wow. He said, one of the greatest sins a teacher can commit is to not sufficiently prepare his students for the challenges he forces them to accept. We always try to push excellence and strive to do our best and always raise the bar. But at the same time, we had to make sure that that we would provide the skills for the students and, and provide them all the necessary tools right. to experience that success. So well, as someone who came through your band program and kind of knows your history and knows other people who've come through band program since then, like I, I mean, you followed those two pieces of advice to to the T. I would say. Well, thank you. Um, and by by the way, that that question was based on questions from both David Gallon and Frank Graffinino. Oh wow! But a a little follow up to that is obviously, like I said, those seem like guiding principles that you really took to heart 
Have you passed those on to any young educators over the years yourself as you've become a mentor figure or at least been like up the up the chain from people, so, so to speak, as, as they've come up? As many people that'll listen, you know, <laughs> I try to I try to share those uh, th- those little bits of of, of information with them. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've shared those quotes with with numerous people. And, and again, the, the person that told me about the. Um, uh, one of the greatest sins a teacher can commit. Mm-hmm. His name is uh, Red Laparus, um, which you know he he retired and he lives on Toledo Bend and and fishes every day and um, you know, but he's still very active in the judging community right now. So, oh, but yeah, nice. I, I I think it's valuable that you know he did that for me, and I feel like it's important that the old timers share that with with the new guys, and you know. From what I can tell, it, it seems like um, they're you know they're they're appreciative certainly to be able to hear those kinds of stories. That's great. So, what are the two biggest changes, if you can identify them, in the world during your time as a musician and educator that have most affected how you yourself approach both music and education? You know, I'm very active in our our state music organization, the Louisiana Music Educators Association. Um, so we we see around the around the state the challenges that that are there. Mm-hmm. the The biggest change, the biggest challenge uh, that I've experienced throughout my career is that there's more emphasis put on accountability for students. And a lot of times, it's people who are setting these policies that are not necessarily in education, but it, it's about the the test scores, mm-hmm. the school scores. That make it very difficult for kids today. Uh, you know, it it creates a lot of pressure on kids, so it becomes more about passing the test, and not necessarily all the time on what's best for the students. If right. that makes if that makes any sense, but definitely, you know, I, I spoke with someone, uh, you know, at, at the central office, um, and and they were talking about what. Why are there so many challenges today? What what are, what are the problems? And and he said, this is how you can fix music and for kids to be able to take those extracurricular activities when they get to high school. The way that you fix it is you have to improve the reading scores in elementary school. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that that's the answer that I would get. Um, right. But when he said it, it made so much sense because what's happening is you know you have kids that don't read at the grade level that they're supposed to. So they have to start taking more remedial classes. So the more remediation they have to take, then the less opportunity there is for them to take those uh, right. those non-tested subjects. Um, so they become less important um, for the school score, but they're more important for the student because, you know, again, in this world of social economic learning and you know how how valuable the music is for that but testing is kind of the opposite of that jeremiah when you were here there was not as much emphasis on that but it's become it's become the driving force in education today um and and once you achieve a certain score at the school then that's not good enough you gotta you gotta get a higher score so how do we get those higher scores all of those equate to things that um, that take away from things that nurtures the kid, the, the mm-hmm. arts. It, you know, it, because again, those are not tested, so you know it's it's not important. The, the important things are the things that you can in, improve your school score on. That's been the biggest change and the biggest challenge 
throughout my career. Um, so I, I don't know what the answer is for that. Um, right. That that that's certainly a, another week long of podcasts with talking to. Yeah. You know. Oh, more than that, I'm sure. But yeah. I, I do want to point out for people who can't see you that I saw you doing some air quotes around importance um, that I think make total sense because it's something that is made to be important because of the reasons you just laid out, but maybe it shouldn't be as, as important, which I think is your point. Um, yeah. And let me know if I got that incorrect in my summation. No, that, I, th- I think you're, you're, you're right on Jeremiah. You know, that's, that's been the hardest thing to, uh, and, and not, not just with me. I mean, I see the pressure yeah. of the classroom teachers that, uh, you know, it, it's, um, they have a lot of challenges because their job performance is based on how their kids score. And, and sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, people are, are very fortunate whenever they, they live um, in a household with a mom and dad that, again, you can go back to, you know, if, if they, they're read to at an early age, you know, but what about those kids that, that don't have that opportunity? And there's so many challenges there for them. Again, I just, I don't know what the answers are for those kinds of things, but it is something right. that is not moving in a positive direction, I think, for, for yeah. teachers and for uh, students. Uh, there's more kids that are depressed now. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's more issues with things like that. And, and that's why I think that when they're able to do things like the arts and you know the extra things that make it fun for them to come to school, right. then, then it, it helps them to be able to get through that process. But if they're, it, it's always about the class, you know, the, right. the classwork and, you know. The, yeah. The, I, I mean, I, I don't know if this really addresses the, the issue. I, I mean, it's not a solution, obviously, but I remember years ago when when people started re- like or at least when i became much more aware of the use of the term stem you know s t e m i remember someone saying it should really be steam you need that a in there for the arts because it's not a holistic approach to developing children if if you don't give them that ability or at least opportunity cuz the arts aren't for everyone but having the opportunity there for people to to explore that and find it for themselves if it makes sense. Like, it, it seems like a shame that that gets cut out so often. I am curious, though. I mean, Lafayette High has continued to be one of, the one of if not the top program, from my understanding, in the parish and maybe the states of Louisiana, right? So, I, I mean, how have you managed to do that? Is, like, there's something you can think of that you think is the the cornerstone of you continuing that in the face of what you're describing of of the education system being more focused on things that don't necessarily allow people to get into band in the arts in the way that you would hope. Yeah, I, I think that uh, we've been very lucky um, here at Lafayette High School because we it it all goes back to parental support, of course, and right. um, you know the parents see the value of their their kids participating in uh, something like this, and and that's always been. Uh, you know, one of the greatest things about our program here, um, you know, they have to, they have to buy into it, you know, now COVID has, has really created some challenges for that. I'm um, sure. Cause you know, um, you know, we couldn't play in school for a year and a half really. Um, so, you know, what do you do when, when you play a musical instrument, but you can't play in school. So right. that, that created a lot of challenges for us that uh, we're, we're starting to, to dig our way out of the hole right now. Um, so I think that's going to get better um, as time goes on, but that's, that's created 
more challenges than anything, I, I think, you know, so, it, it, you know, and then the opportunities that we've given students to be able to, to, to go and play in Carnegie Hall every few years. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, middle yeah. school students, you know, I'd go and visit them and they would look at me and say, you know, when I'm a sophomore, you know, cause we would go every four years and I would always tell people in four years, we're going to, we're going to go to Carnegie Hall and play. And, and so the, so kids, parents would, would look forward to that. They'd say, when I'm going to be a sophomore, we're going to go to Carnegie Hall or something like that. So those opportunities are, are certainly unique for people to be able to look forward to. And, you know, trips right. always help. Yeah, sure, sure. We'll, we'll come back to trips in a minute, I think. Okay. Why don't we take a quick break? largely talking about so far the program as a whole, but is there anything you did or learned to do that helped you to build positive individual relationships with so many students over the years? Because I know that you have done that. I mean, you did that with with uh, people in my class, and I'm, I'm sure you've continued to do it. Um, and, and by the way, this is based on a question from Erica Renee Christoph. Erica Christoph. Wow. And it's, it's so great to hear all these names. <laughs> Number one, I've always tried to be fair for every every student. I've I've tried not to show uh, favoritism, um, because I wanted my students to know that I, I truly and genuinely cared about everyone. So that's when I first heard Tim Lotzenheiser say, "People don't care what you know; they want to know that you care." So I've always tried to I've always tried to instill that. So I think my students always know knew. You know, high school is a tough time, man. So it, it's, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's so many challenges for, for kids to go through high school, but they always knew that they had a place they could come in my office, talk to me about any problems that they had. And I was more than happy to, to be able to sit, listen. Um, and, I, and I would always tell them, you know, I, I, I may not be able to give you the greatest advice in the world, but I'm a really good listener. I'd be happy to listen to anything that you have to say. So I think that people felt that from me. I, I think that they knew. It's very demanding. Um, and when it came to marching band, that's when the discipline uh, came into place. Uh, I think discipline is good for kids. Um, and I knew that they respected that, but they also respected, they knew that, you know, after your freshman year of coming through the program and the fear of, of, of me at first, I think the next year just became better that they knew that, that they could, they can come and talk to me whenever they felt like, and I've always had help in the office uh, with uh, an assistant that would help me with the, the daily operations of the band because there was it was so such a huge program I couldn't have done it all. Sure. And at the time when when uh, J- uh, Erica was here, there was one person who I, I loved dearly, and she was so valuable to this program. Um, she was as much of a, a a counselor and a and a second mom as anyone else. It was uh, Miss Nan. Yeah, I remember Nan- her. Yes. Yep, Nan Tolley, who uh, you know, her husband was the baseball coach here. Yeah, um, still is. He's retiring this year too. By the oh, way, oh really? Okay. Yeah, um, but but she was she was uh, she was so dear to the program, and 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 you know, she was almost like an assistant director, but yeah. even more valuable because of uh, of what she brought. And then we, when she left, we had uh, you know Cindy Sabo, who was a, a retired band director, who came in, and I was always able to have that uh, mm-hmm. person that I could bounce ideas off of, and 
and certainly all of the assistance that we've had in the past. So, um, right. Yeah. Miss, Miss Nan was great. I'm sure that if anyone who followed her, um, was sort of in that mold, I'm sure that they were great resources, both for you and for the kids. Cause she, she was always so welcoming of, of the students as I remember her. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Can you remember a time when something a student did or said either impacted you personally or maybe affected the way you taught or approached music and education going forward? A lot of times um, students don't share things with you while they're here because they stay guarded. Sure. And a lot of times you don't hear those stories until they graduate and they feel like they need to share um, their experience with you. You know, the numerous letters that I would get from students who would come through the program and, and talk about how much it meant to them, how much the program meant to them and, and, and how much, you know, it saved them or, you know, it, it was so valuable that they had so many challenges in life. And that was always very special throughout my career to be able to get those kinds of uh, heartfelt messages mm-hmm. uh, about how valuable band was here at Lafayette High School. And, and um, yeah, that, that's probably the, the most special thing of all throughout my career is, is what it meant to people to go through the program. Right. I don't know if you remember this, but I actually, I did send you a letter, um, I think, during my freshman year of college, because I was very self-conscious about the fact that I didn't go into music. And I was afraid you were going to be disappointed with that. So I, I remember sending you a letter basically saying like, I hope you're not disappointed I didn't go into music. I learned so much from from it. And my intention at that time was to find ways to to play music, even though I didn't go into it professionally or, or in, in school, in college, and which I did. Um, I played in bands for years afterwards, and I'm still in and around music <laughs> to this day. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do remember that letter and I still have it. I've got a, I've oh, got wow. a drawer full of, of those letters, but yeah. And, and you were so talented, Jeremiah. I mean, I mean, you still are. So all of those talented students, I was always trying to push them to go into music because I know what they could bring to it. But certainly I was, I was never disappointed when they wouldn't go into music because I know that, as you said earlier, it, it's, it, it's not for everybody, you know? Um, but, but the important thing was just how successful, everybody is in, right. in their chosen field. Yeah. yeah. And to be clear, it was for me. I just decided not to do it in college as, as, as that path, you know? Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I, so much of, of what's great in my life at this point is because I had music in my life and I see that as an extension of my time in band with you. You know, I understood music in a way that allowed me to sort of participate in it with other people, uh, in my twenties and kind of like form a community uh, with, with those people. And, and it's been like a guiding thing through my life, really. So, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that question was based on one from uh, Rachel Smith, who I think was Rachel Stevens when we were in school. Yes, yes. So I remember my four years of high school as being filled with, you know, cycles and patterns. That's what school seems like when you're a kid, at least, uh, that repeats over time, you know? So I'd imagine those patterns and cycles must have become even stronger and more noticeable for you over the course of three decades. You know, for me, it was four years or 12 years, if you think about the entire length of school. Um, but, but with that in mind, what were your favorite kind of days? The ones that made you smile or helped you remember why you were doing what you were doing? I feel like we've already probably touched on some things that relate to that. 
I think um, you start with with the hardest kinds of days. Going back to preparing students for the challenges you force them to accept. You know, the the worst kinds of days were when kids weren't wouldn't get it, mm-hmm. or you know, if if there would be some students um, who who wouldn't come back to band the next year, or you know, I would always look at myself and say what did I do or what did I not do to reach those students or what did I not do to better prepare for that lesson? And man, I would beat myself up when we'd have a bad class day or a, pla- a bad rehearsal day. I'd go home and, and, and I would just, um, you know, I, I couldn't sleep at night just trying to figure out what to do to make it better. Right. So my favorite kinds of days is, is when I'd, I'd go in and I'd, I'd try to make sure that, that I did a good job for the students because it, it, we always, you know, you got to point your, your finger at yourself first. If, if students aren't doing well, then it's probably something that you're not doing uh, to help them uh, succeed. So, you know, I'm not a very good golfer, but it's kind of like a golf swing. You know, it's like when you go on the golf course and, and you know, for the whole 18 holes, you, you have that one shot that, that you hit the sweet spot and it sails on you and, and you're like, okay, well, I can come back to this thing, you know? And so that as a teacher, you know, you make so many mistakes, especially when you first start teaching, mm-hmm. but when you, when you finally get it to where your students understand, then it, uh, you know, it, it keeps you coming back for more and, you know. Right. Well, I feel like you answered my follow-up within that of like, what were the hardest kind of days? Um, and, and by the way, those, those questions were based on uh, something from Christian Cooper Riggs. Jeremiah, there, there are so many of those hard days, you know, I yeah. mean, um, I thank God for, you know, my wife who, you know, is always your sounding board, you know, and she, she helped me get through a lot of those challenges. And if it wouldn't, wouldn't for her, then, you know, I always tell everyone that, that she's been my rock throughout my career. And, and, and that's, that's the truth because if, if you wouldn't have that life's partner that would yeah. help you get through those things, then it would be impossible. And and she is certainly been that person for me. Yeah, I'm sure. So you, you've been both a leader and a mentor, and you've also helped students to become leaders and mentors. I think that's one of the biggest things that comes out of band for people. Like that's one of the biggest things they get out of band besides being better at music. So what's the most important quality you think someone needs to have or be within themselves uh, to be a good leader or mentor? Yeah, I don't know if this answers your question, Jeremiah, but I think, you know, when, when a student comes through the program, the band program, they learn so many valuable life's lessons um, that, that helps to uh, better prepare them to tackle the challenges of life, to be leaders, to be better people, to be better citizens. They learn how to better manage their time. They learn how the success that they experience in life is based on the tenacity to never give up, you know, from high expectations they learn how to achieve better results. You know, that's, that's what we've always tried to, uh, to right. promote here in the band program. But of course, you know, the other advantage, that's a huge advantage. And I, I, I talked about this earlier on, it's just the um, band and its acceptance of everyone. That's so valuable when you, you learn how to be accepting of everyone, no matter what their academic status is or their socioeconomic status is or how athletic they are or whatever the case may be, but just an opportunity for it to be inviting for everyone. And through that, 
I mean, there's there's a lot of leadership that's involved in 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 that, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the acceptance of of everyone. Um, you know, you don't always see that in in every organization, and certainly when you're in high school. Right. So that's universal with band everywhere, I think, you know. Right. So the ability to accept everyone is a quality that a good leader should have or will probably have. Yeah, because because the good leader, because they accept everyone, sets as a good example for people in what good leaders are. And good leaders, they allow people to try things, to mm-hmm. succeed, to fail, and to nurture those people to be able to not give up. Mm-hmm. You know, you still think about those those leaders when you come into the band program that, you know, we, we would always have those final meetings. And, and you know, when as a freshman, who was it? Wh- what person in the band was it that meant the most to you? What what leader was that? Oh, you're asking me? Yeah, I, I just I just, you know, I'm always interested to hear what people have to say and, and those names that come up. You're flipping it on me. <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so who, who, as a freshman, who, who did I look to as a leader? Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely would have to say Stephen Tobin was somebody. Oh, yeah. Cause um, I don't know if you know this, I'm actually older than him, even though he is, was great ahead of me in school. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Cause just cause of the way, our birthdays worked out and where we started school. I started in Texas. He started in Louisiana cutoffs. Oh, okay. But, but I still like think of him as older than me because he was always ahead of me by a grade in, in school. You know, I knew him at Paul bro when we were there in middle school. Um, but I definitely remember he was someone who I looked up to my freshman year, probably Chris Corville. If you remember him, he wasn't there the entire time. Uh, I think he, I remember Chris. Yeah. Yeah. But w- what were some of those qualities? I'm, I'm curious that, you know, I don't know. It's, it's something that's hard to put a finger on it. Like, I, I do think it is something connected at least to what you were talking about of like, you can tell that they care about what they're doing and they care about what you're doing. And, and there are some people who I think that can come off as irritating. <laughs> they care a little too much about what you're doing, but some people like you can tell that they like have a genuine interest in trying to help you. You know, right. so I was going to say a genu- genuineness about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I, I definitely always saw that in Steven. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, I mean, this is maybe a cop out, but definitely Ray Theo. You know, he was the instructor for the drumline. So that was literally his job was to, to be that for yeah. us. But I thought he did a good job of it. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's who comes to mind right off. Uh, definitely Jennifer Mills who was, yeah. of course, a drum major. I, I talk about Jennifer Mills even to this day. She was yeah. um, kind of the drum major's drum major. You know, <laughs> yeah, there, there was imagine. no one that that people respected more than Jennifer Mills. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Frank Graffinino earlier. Sure. But, uh, you know, for, for our state contest here, Showcase this year, there was a group of people that came over. And uh, Frank said that... Uh, He's still intimidated by Jennifer. You know, she she was there, and you know she she has that effect on people. But uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and she she's definitely one of those people who you could tell she cared about everything going as well as it could, and and Absolutely. she wanted and it what not in a way of like being critical because I think for some people it comes off as overly critical, whereas she just wants you to do your best. I thought so. That's what I thought made her a good leader and yeah. yeah and and the high expectations were there she demanded you do yeah i mean all of those qualities were there and, and right. those are such good qualities in leaders yep and so each one of those people you mentioned had that 
but but I think it's important also that it's not just that they demanded the best is that if they didn't feel like you were giving your best, they would inquire. They would try to figure out like what they could do to help you. You know, That's so right. it wasn't That's it wasn't right. just being demanding. It was backing that up with a sense of of help, a sense of, of yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they, they had a, a unique way of, and, and I've always tried to do that throughout my career. You know, sometimes uh, kids may act up in class and, you know, rather than fussing at them in the moment, then if you talk to them after and you, and you say, Hey, what, what's going on, man, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening. And then you'll find out things that are happening at home or, sure. or other places that, that are contributing to that. But yeah, there, there's, there's usually a reason behind why they're, they may be acting up or whatever. So good totally. leaders always have a way to be compassionate um, in, in how they approach their students. Yeah. And let's take a quick break. What are the two or three decisions that you made, either intentionally or unintentionally, that you feel really set the path for growth and sustainability of the band program at Lafayette High? I think certainly the the, the greatest driving force throughout my career is just to uh, to continually uh, seek to better your craft. You know, to to, to attend clinics and and to continue to educate yourself throughout the process mm-hmm. on how you can become a better a better band director. But more importantly, you know. Again, when, when I first started teaching, I, I thought it was gonna it was gonna be about the music. You know, it was all gonna be about the music because that that's all that I really knew before. But you know, it didn't take me that long to to realize that you know the emotion that we strive to achieve through the music can only truly be realized through the nurturing of the young people in which we teach. So that that was um certainly something that uh, that that I've tried to uh, nurture throughout my my career you you spoke earlier about what it meant to you uh, to continue to play so there there's there's something inside of you that spoke to the benefits of being able to have that outlet you know right a lot of the performances we've had have all been very special but I've always told everyone that that it's 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 really been about the journey to get to those performances that make the performances that much more special because those are the celebrations of the pathway that we've taken to get there. I, I received the letter after one of our performances. It was from someone not in the music, and I don't know if this is uh, pertaining to this this question, but it, it's something that that just struck me. Yeah. Um, about the emotion that we we strive to achieve, and um, but she she felt compelled to send me a letter that that said I'm not in music and I've always been envious of when people talk about the emotion that they feel through music because I've never felt it before and I'm now over 50 years old this person said um, but she said for for the last concert I was moved to tears with with the performance so that's always been very special when um, when that emotion transfers to people right. in the audience. No, and again, I don't know if that great. question had anything to do with what you just asked. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but but by the way, that question was uh, from Bonnie Stevens White. Oh, yeah. 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 So, okay. M- my time in band ended 25 years ago now, uh, but I still have melodies that are stuck in my head from pieces we played then. Like they live rent free up there, I swear. Like I, I can't <laughs> tell you how often 
if there's a piano nearby and it's not going to be too annoying to anyone, I'm going to be going dun 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 Yeah, but that's Escape from Plato's Cave for people. Not not bad singing for a drummer, by the way. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you. So are there pieces of music that have become earworms for you that you find yourself maybe humming or whistling despite how long it's been maybe since you last heard or conducted them? So not oh something from goodness. the last year or two, maybe something from further back that just will not get out of your head. The year that you were rehearsing that music, you just can't get it out of your head. Yeah. Um, but there's but there's always tunes. I, I can't pinpoint anything in particular, but there's always tunes that that you know will will resurface years later. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, I guess maybe a version of the question then is like what what makes you choose to bring a piece back several years later is it because like s- somehow it popped into your head and you're like I just really want to do that again and I think that the students would would appreciate this and like what makes you choose to bring something back there's always the the band classics that uh, that have significant educational value that you feel it's important to share with your students mm-hmm. uh from time to time. And, and certainly one of those pieces were um, Lincoln Sharposi. I don't know. It's a uh, Percy Granger uh, wrote that piece. And once I was exposed to it and, and I learned it, it, you know, I try to bring it back every four years. There, there are always those, those pieces of, of significance that you feel that uh, you want people to experience. You know, I would always try to search for those, those pieces of music. You know, there, there's the music of dance, music of song. Uh, and then there's, music of of um color you know that 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 explores the different possibilities that there are with playing band music i've never really sought after those kinds of pieces because i I always wanted to share the the pieces of dance of song and of emotion that brought out um those kinds of qualities and and people could share and it was only a personal preference uh to me uh one of my one of my best friends uh, that that uh, is an educator um we would always uh I wouldn't say argue, but we have very different taste in music. And we always talk about, you know, why our, our choosing is more significant than what, what they're choosing or whatever, but it's just, uh, you know, whatever we're more comfortable with. So, right. So what was your favorite band trip and do do you have a favorite marching band show? So two questions for you. I get asked the, the marching band show question a lot. I'm sure. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, I, there are. There are some that marked a significant um, time in the development of our band. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you were here, the um, the the show that we did the uh, the, the the mermaid show. Oh, um, uh, a- rhyme of the ancient mariner. Yes, the the, rhyme that was of my freshman mariner. year. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was the first time that we we took the band to our state contest that year. Oh, that was the and, first uh, year. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. was, that was, that was the very first year that we went. And, um, you know, back in, back in the day I was writing the drill and I was doing a lot of it. In fact, band directors are notorious for when they <laughs> write the drill, you know, they'll, they'll stay up all night and go to school the next day because it takes that long to write the drill. I'm sure. And, uh, Jennifer Mills would, she would, um, I don't know what the mode of communication was back then. It wasn't texting obviously, but she would say, you need to go to sleep, you know? So <laughs> Um, but it, it was fun to write the drill back then. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we experienced a lot of success with that first show. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it ha- a lot of it, 
I remember the rehearsals that we had that year and, and we had a lot of rain. So there was a lot of muddy feels for that mm -hmm. rehearsal. Um, the trumpets, they were pretty much um, marching in a, in a mud pit down there. But um, that, that's certainly one of great significance. We did a show called Exodus one year. And, and that's when I really feel like we've kind of, we started turning the corner as far as the reputation of the band, it was a very challenging show. It was fast. The drill was crazy. And, and again, there was a lot of great success with that and that show. Right. Um, and then 2008, we, did, we went to Grand Nationals and we placed finals with, with that show. Oh, nice. We, 2011 was another great year because we, uh, we won the, 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 the National AAA Championship that year. Oh, wow. that, was, that was pretty special on that year. Yeah. But, you know every show is, is, is really special, you know, um, sure. they're, they're just, uh, some of them that stick out because of those significant times. And, um, yeah, the, and then of course, uh, you weren't here when we did it, but another significant thing for the marching band now is, is this thing called tuba fanfare. Have you heard of the tuba fanfare? No. Yeah. It's, um, you know, kids were asking to play that uh, the tubas were asking for several years and I'd, I'd say, no, 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 we're not going to do it. And so finally in a moment of weakness, I said, okay, go ahead and do it. And it's, it's just this loud fanfare of tuba and drums. And man, it, it's become almost our, our second fight song. People right. request it all the time. And if we don't do it at a football game, you know, then we'll hear about it. But, uh, you know, the band is popular at football games and they'll chant tuba, 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 <laughs> you know, so that's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember with uh, my freshman year of show, R Rhyme with Ancient Mariner, I didn't realize that that was the first year that the band had gone to showcase at, at over at UL. Um, but we won grand champions at the, of that show. <laughs> it, I, and I do think that that sort of set things up for people in my class of like, oh, this is what this is going to be. This is a bigger thing than we even realized, having gone through all the work that we did to get to that point where we could pull that off, you know, but I really do think it set the stage for our four years there, you know? Yeah, it, it really did. Yeah. That was my second year here. So my yeah. first year, I didn't feel comfortable to, to bring the band to the state contest. So that's why I waited until the second year. And then the class, the freshman class that came up, I think we, we may have doubled the band size when you guys came up as yeah. freshmen that year, it was a huge class. And you guys were so talented. So that, so then again, I felt comfortable with being able to take the band to the state contest and, and yeah, man, I mean, it was, it was mayhem because the state championship band had been the state championship band for so many years yeah. that it was unfathomable that anyone could go and, and win that year. Um, but it just so happens that they had problems during their marching show at, at the time and we had a flawless performance. So it's, it's just, it, it happened on that, that particular evening that, yeah. um, that we, we did better, you know, so, but I could cut this out if, if you don't want me to be saying their name, but yeah, I do remember that Como high, uh, <laughs> they, they won everything else, but we somehow won grand champion. It was, it was kind of, kind of wild. It's perfectly okay. Cause, cause Como high school was, was the, I mean, they were the cornerstone. They were the yeah. epitome of what everyone aspired to be, you know, and they had, they had won so many times that, you know, um, it's kind of like when there's a champion in, in, in an athletic event, every, yeah. everybody wants someone else to beat them, you know, right. and, and that, that's, that's kind of how it was. And, and there, there was traditions that were established then, you know, cause when we were named grand champions and everyone was, uh, was going crazy, 
we uh, we said, all right, let, let's go. Let's go out to the parking lot. So we went to the parking lot and we played for our family and friends in the parking lot. And that was kind of the beginning of our, what we call the parking lot performance now. And a right. lot of times whenever we do the, the showcase show it, you know, that, that sometimes is more meaningful to, to have our own personal experience. And it's the last time the seniors play and all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting how some of the traditions are, are, are established, you know? Right. And by the way, the, the, the question about uh favorite band trip and, and marching band show was from Miranda Bernard favorite band trip we didn't yeah. really talk, talk yeah i didn't yeah. i didn't know if you were were evading the question so but oh, if, no. you, if you have an answer that would be great i mean there are so many favorite band trips i mean how can you um how can you top going to carnegie hall in new york city yeah and being able to experience the things in new york city like broadway shows and um you know those are life-changing experiences i've known students that decided that they were going to move to New York, uh, after they graduated. And <laughs> so, um, so there's just, uh, you know, you just, you can't really top being able to play in, in Carnegie hall. I mean, that's, that's the epitome of any concert stage in the world. And mm -hmm. so all of those trips, you know, I, I think we've been to, to six total, um, you know, going back every four years, all of those are meaningful and very special. Um, you know, this, this past year we went to Hawaii which, uh, you know, I've, I've been wanting to go to Hawaii and finally we, we went this year and, you know, being able to play at Pearl Harbor, um, the significance of, of that, that site and just right. being able to play patriotic music, um, was, was a highlight for me certainly. And, and, um, you know, and, and just the, the trip in general, it's, uh, people that have graduated before it, it's always special when you get to visit one of those places and you get to, um, you know, somebody that's graduated here before there was a, right. a person that lives there now, um, Stephanie Hartley. Um, she, she called up and she said, Hey, you know, would you like to come and, and, and take a tour of where I work, you know? And, and so I said, well, sure. What do you do? And she said, well, I, I work for, um, you know, the, the, um, MIA POWs oh, that wow. we, uh, we, we try to uh, identify the remains and everything. So, man, we went on a tour of that place and it was just, um, it was so overwhelming sure. what she does. And, yeah. you know, she told us stories about what it means to the families when they finally identify someone. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's when I finally started realizing that, you know, I, I know great people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and one of those people who I, I was on that first trip to New York for Carnegie Hall that that the band did, and I literally remember being in New York and saying like I think I could live here. And then I went to NYU and lived in New York for 21 years um, before finally moving away. And 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 I think the second Carnegie Hall trip while I was in college, I went to see y'all and said hi to you and. So yeah. uh, it was great to to be able to do that. Um, so besides the trumpet, what is your favorite instrument to listen to? Also, is there one instrument you wish you played proficiently that you don't? And this is from Claire Cousin. Man, I love listening to um, all different types of music and all different types of instruments. It it just really all depends on the mood that I'm in. That uh, you know what I listen to as far as instruments. But I always say that if I hadn't chosen the trumpet, I would have been a percussionist because 
I, I love the versatility behind being a, per a percussionist. You, you know, you can play mm -hmm. keyboard instruments, you can play drum set, you can get behind a snare drum on the marching line or whatever. And so that was probably my favorite minor instrument course in college was, uh, was, was learning how to play all of the percussion instruments. Well, you just made a lot of saxophonists upset, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so was Fields of Gold an intentional choice the first time you played it for students? Or did it just happen to be a random choice that stuck, I guess, for 30 years from what I'm told? And if you don't mind, could you explain this for anyone listening who may not have been a student of yours? I knew that during marching season, uh, we needed some kind of an outlet to relax. And, you know, I'm a huge Sting fan and I've always loved the Fields of Gold. And I, and, I, and I thought that that would be a good selection for people to, you know, just take a moment during a hot marching rehearsal and 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 lay down on the ground and, and go to your happy place. We talk about, you know, sticking your head in a, in a freezer or something to where you cool off a little bit. So it, it was a natural selection for me. At first, when you guys graduated, I thought that I was going to have to graduate that song and, and let it go and pick another song for the next class. And when I, when I started talking, you know, I, I always try to involve the students as much as possible. So I was talking to a a student at the time, and I, I brought the drum majors in, and mm -hmm. uh, Sarah Hanks was the was the drum major at that time. And I said, "Okay, now we need to uh, we need to pick a new song uh, for next year because uh, you know the graduating class left, and so we need to find some, something besides Fields of Gold." And she she got really upset with me, and she said, "That's not their song. That's our song. Why do we have to pick another song?" And that was one of those <laughs> moments where I was like, "Okay, so." Um, feels of gold it is so you know that was a, a learning moment for me i guess right. you know and uh, you know so we just we just played that every year we have played it every year ever since and you know kids know when we when that song comes on i don't have to say anything they just lay right. down on the ground they they chill out and the funny thing is you know no matter where we are when we we went to um new york the last time and did the macy's parade and we always do a a dinner dance cruise on the last night. Mm -hmm. um, and then in Hawaii, we did the same thing. Well, inevitably, one of the kids requests Fields of Gold. And so no matter what's going on, how hot and sweaty they are, the song comes on and automatically they lay down. And the people on the boat start freaking out. And they're like, <laughs> what's, what's going on? Are That's they okay? Funny. You know, so we always get that reaction whenever that happens. It's always really funny. That's but. <laughs> really funny. Well, I have to ask, though, because I feel like that song was obviously much more contemporary to our class, as you kind of said. But was there a year where the first time the song came on, some people were like, what is this song? Because it's just it was an older song to them. Or is it is it still in the zeitgeist enough that people know it when you put it on their first time hearing it in that context? Yeah, every once in a while it'll it'll come on on one of the the older rock stations or something. But okay. uh, but yeah, I've I've never actually had to to sit a, a class down, a freshman class down, and say, okay, when you hear this song, this happens. I think it just you know the song plays, and then the freshmen see everybody laying down, and they're like, okay, what's going on over here? And then the <laughs> upper class around them just say, just lay down and don't say anything. So it you know it 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 just kind of happens naturally. <laughs> okay. The Fields of Gold question, by the way, was from Beth Biavenu Chasson. Claire Cousson uh, asked another question, though. Are you still digging on James Brown? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, Tower of Power, that's that's the best marching fundamental um, songs you could possibly have. I mean, there's such a, you know, that funk they play, man, it, it, they've got such a such a heavy groove that it uh, it helps fundamentals go 
much smoother. In fact, um, Tower of Power was playing a concert here in Lafayette several years ago, and I just had to get up to the stage and talk to the Barry Sachs player. And, you know, I just said, hey, man, you know, I'm a, I'm a high school band director here and we we use your songs for all of the marching fundamentals. And he was like, really? OK, well, that's cool, man. You know, so that was kind of a kind of a neat moment for me. But <laughs> yes, I am definitely still digging on James Brown. <laughs> there we have the the official answer. So we've talked a lot about like what your inspirations were, how you got into teaching. But as I said at the beginning, and you've been doing this now for three decades, really longer when you take into account um, outside of Lafayette High, so Lafayette Middle, Eunice, as you said, what motivated you to teach for as long as you did? And is there anything that specifically made you decide to retire, if that's something you're comfortable talking about? I saw the benefits that that music um, provides for kids. You know, it was never just about the music, but it was about the byproduct of of what music provides. You know, band is a metaphor of life. You learn so many things through music to make you better people, better citizens. So it, it was always a great joy for me. Um, you know, students challenged me certainly to uh, to to continue to be better, and it was the most gratifying thing to see what it meant for students to be able to come in as a freshman. And by the time they graduated and on to college, what they would become. Jeremiah, I think that, um, you know, as, as you get older, the challenges become greater, both um, from teaching standpoint, and all the byproducts of what teachers have to do. I never wanted to get to the point where I would feel that I wasn't contributing fully to the students and continuing to, um, give them the energy that they deserved. And I just felt like, um, like, like that was starting to uh, go away from me. And, you know, I I could feel my tank starting to get lower and I just, I just felt like the time was right. And, you know, back in the day when the old timers would say, you'll know when the time is right. I was like, man, the time is never going to be right. I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. (laughs) And then, you know, I, I started kind of experiencing that and, and I never wanted to get to the point where I, I couldn't feel good about giving my all to the students. And, and like I said, I, I started to kind of experience that just a little bit. Um, and, and I just, you know, I, I wanted to, I, I thought it was a good time for, for me to retire now. I'm not uh, any, any means am, am I ready to stop? You know, I, I'm still going to be very active. Like I said, I'm, I'm active in the uh, state music association and I'm sure I'm going to go around and, and, you know, I, I think that uh, mentoring some of the younger teachers now is is something that I can certainly contribute to to the profession, and I look forward to being able to do those kinds of things. Um, yeah, so the challenges are, g- are going to be great for Lafayette High School moving forward. Um, I, I know you've heard that there's going to be a new school here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in two years, there's going to be a brand new high school, and it's going to be magnificent, man. It's going to be beautiful. Um, I was fortunate to to be on the committee uh, that that began with talks of what we wanted the school to look like, and you know, truthfully, I, I it was difficult to not be here um, to see the new school open. I bet um, it made me reconsider whether I, you know I wanted to retire and stick around for it. But but again, it's just um, it, it it the the time is right. But um, you know that that school, man. Wait till it's it's built. You're gonna see it's gonna be yeah. a great place. And the person who's taken over for me, um, Ronnie Gleason. Uh, he, he's a he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, I I really regard him more of of a brother than anything else. 
Um, but he was here for a while and then he left. And then, you know, I told him, you know, I'm, I'm looking at retirement in the next few years, if he'd be interested to come back, because I don't think that there could be anybody better to take over the program here at Lafayette High, because I know he's going to continue with the uh, the traditions that we have in place. And um, he's a great musician. And I know that they're going to they're going to be even better than before. So I'm, I'm, I'm right. happy that he's going to be taking on and the assistant who was just hired is a former Lafayette High graduate, a drummer. Um, who's coming back to Lafayette High, and uh, he's going to do a fantastic job as the assistant. His name's Avery Gidry, so he was announced okay. uh, last last week. So great, yeah. I I, I wondered who who was going to be stepping in. Um, I wondered if it would be Mr. Gleason. I believe he started with Lafayette High when I was in school in some capacity. I can't remember if he was like a a, a teacher or an assistant then, or if he was just helping with marching season or something like that. But I, I have memories of him. I think. Yeah, he he's um he's been around for a long time, and uh, he was probably uh, a, an instructor back when you were here. Yeah. Um, but he's taught. I, th- I think he's taught in Rain. He's taught in Delcom. Taught at St. Thomas More. Um, taught at Carrickrow for several years. Right. Um, and just never really f- found a home. But um, but I think I think this is going to be a good place for him for the next few years. Right. And by the way, with the with the new school, I have a feeling they'll let you on campus if you want to come check it out. I have a feeling. You know. Well, I certainly <laughs> hope so, man. I'd, I'd love to see. You know, it, especially um, I'm I'm thrilled that uh, that you know when they build schools nowadays, auditoriums are not in the plans because it's expensive. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that, uh, that there's going to be an auditorium in the, in the new Lafayette high school and it's going to be spectacular. Right. Um, so this next question is based on one I got from Rachel Smith or Rachel Stevens. Um, and, but it, but it does echo something that I said at the very top of the show, I think. So not to put you too much on the spot, but you've taught probably thousands of students over the years and, the lessons you've taught all those people are things they've taken forward into their lives. They've applied them to the way they move through the world with their families, coworkers, or even students of their own in some cases. So do you ever think about how the impact you've had on people in turn has an impact on people you've never met? And I mean, not to go there, but probably people who will also outlive us all, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I you know, I've never really uh, given much thought to that. You know, I, I've had this conversation with my wife before because, again, this year has given me an opportunity to reflect and look back on my career. And then when I when I start thinking about the people and and, and who they've become, you know, then then I I start to kind of realize that um, that yeah, I, you know, you never do it with the intention of having that impact or what it means to people, but now that I look back on it, I'm just, I'm appreciative that, that, um, I was able to provide, um, some of those life learning skills for people who have come through the program. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you from my own firsthand experience that stuff that I learned or, or skills I developed in, in band, not just musically, but the, the stuff you talked about in the course of our conversation, discipline, compassion, leadership, those are things that have definitely helped me in my life and my career and just being a part of communities that I've been lucky to be a part of or even built up around myself, you know, and I know from other people that they feel the same way. So that's more me telling you 
<laughs> that than asking a question at that point. But I can I can absolutely tell you that that's the truth. Thanks for sharing that, Jeremiah. I don't really have any other questions, but I do want to give you the opportunity to, if you had anything else you wanted to say, or if there was something that you you hoped we'd touch on, if we could we could bring that up now. No, man. I think um, you know er- everything we've we've touched upon um, is very thorough. Some things that <laughs> I'd never really thought about before. Um, but man, I appreciate the opportunity. And you know, again, my whole career is based on putting the spotlight on the students. You know, it's you you want the attention to go on the students. And 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 now that I'm I'm getting some of that, you know, by you asking me to do the podcast makes me very nervous to talk about myself and, but, um, you've made it very comfortable. So I appreciate that. And, um, you know, the time that we've spent, you know, doesn't feel like it, it's been that long, but, but it's been a, it's been a pleasure to be able to visit with you, um, today. So thank you, man. The pleasure is definitely mine. If I haven't made it clear, you're a very important person to be and to many other people who may be listening to this. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad to have had the opportunity to talk with you and to kind of find out a little bit about how you've thought about your career and the things you've done and the things you've done for other people. So I, I, I'm the one who appreciates it, as I said. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Stereoactive Presents. And thank you to my guest, Scotty Walker. The music in this podcast is composed by Hansdale Sue. My name is Jeremiah McVeigh. If you like what you hear in the show, please rate and review it in Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that allows that. Doing so helps us to expand our audience and is much appreciated. And please follow us wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Every little bit helps, and it is, again, truly appreciated. You can also get in touch with us at stereoactivemedia at gmail.com. And you can find more information about this show and everything else that Stereoactive Media is involved with at StereoactiveMedia.com. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media. Stereoactive Media.